This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show! Welcome to the Voices in Recovery Podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these are opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian, as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Maddie, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. So I guess my little bit about myself, I know a lot of stories Mm -hmm. start similar of not being able to fit in when Mm. you're young. Um, I had that struggle since as long as I can remember. I was just that weird kid, that odd one out who never seemed like they could fit in. And Mm -hmm. if I did fit in, I didn't feel like I did. Um, I had a really unstable childhood there was a lot of addictions and mental health in my family so there was a lot of struggles from a really young age mm-hmm. um, a lot of violence so which is interesting my I have a sibling mm-hmm. um, and he has never had any issues with addictions which oh, is awesome that's awesome um, but interesting to think of it that way of same yeah. household same family just two different paths yeah. but yeah so I guess not too much about my childhood um, I guess I started I think drinking first when I was about maybe 11. Mm. The typical rager parents liquor cabinet with all your friends. And (laughs) it started off pretty typical party on the Mm. weekends. um, And then it started into doing drugs occasionally. Um, And then I started to be bullied really bad in school and about shortly after that. Um, And then I started struggling with depression and anxiety and kind of in turn I didn't know it then but started to self-medicate that way of I had a lot going on and I had a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and that was kind of my like escape yeah I guess but which is kind of hard in junior high not a lot of kids are doing hard drugs in junior high at least then yeah um so I found older friends Mm -hmm. I you know, typical, found a drug dealer, and we started dating, which was the best idea I think I could have chosen. I, I think at the time, it probably was. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a really great idea. Right? Yeah. Very great. In hindsight, not so much. <laughs> um, and then it's, yeah, it started into hard drugs really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, went from occasionally drinking, smoking weed into mm-hmm. hard drugs. Um, and then I dropped out of school about grade eight, I think. Um, and then I was homeless for a while. Um, mm. I had struggled a lot with family dynamics. Yeah. Um, and it was more so a mutual kind of thing. Nobody really knew what to do. So yeah. I couch surfed for quite a few years. 
um, lived with a drug dealer boyfriend, all the good stuff. Um, occasionally I stayed at a youth shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, and things seemed, when I think about it now, it's like so wild to think. Mm-hmm. When I work with youth, when I was working with youth, like it breaks my heart to think when they were 13, that's what they were going through. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to kind of link it back to myself too, but it was definitely a struggle. It was, um, I went through a lot of physical and emotional abuse um, when I was quite young on my own, um, which I guess kind of led to, um, <clears throat> I was removed from a, a house that I was staying at yeah. when I was 15, maybe 14 or 15. Um, there was a lot of abuse going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police were called, they found me and they put me into a protective um, placement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a court ordered one, it was for 30 days and it was the absolute worst time yeah. I have ever had. Wow. It was really difficult. I remember it was Christmas time I was in there and that was brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard because I was alone. I was yeah. officially alone there. I didn't have any alcohol, I didn't have any drugs, I didn't have those people who I yeah. thought were my friends. Yeah. Um, and then I was alone to sit in my trauma and try and process that. And it was the scariest thing. Yeah. So after those 30 days, I was like, see ya. Like, yeah. I can't do this. This is too hard. And I'm not, was not ready. Was that peach they put you on? Or? Initially peach had, yeah. Peach had, yeah. Peach had, okay. and then um, there was another court order extended for um, a program right across from peach had mm-hmm. called Reflections. So Reflections is for um, young women, and it, they do take males who are being sexually exploited. Oh, good. So that was kind of... I say good that they take males as well. Yes, not, not good. Not that yes. that is necessary, but... <laughs> but it's so important that they do have the option it, because there's not yeah. a lot of programs for males there's in that not. way. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was a part of my story that I have always, always glossed over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to touch that. Yeah. We're just going to leave that. Um, but since working with youth who are being sexually exploited, mm-hmm. that's something that I've been able to come to terms with more. Yeah. Um, and that was a big part of my addiction. Mm-hmm. I had nowhere else. I had no one that I could trust or rely on. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty tough position for a vulnerable young teenager, yeah. homeless to be in. Um, so I kind of had to figure out how I would survive on my own, how I would do things. Um, yeah, so... After I did treatment, you know, things were looking all right for a couple days. Mm-hmm. And then it was, okay, that high euphoria of I've got 30 days clean yeah. wore off really quick um, because I had no, no support. Mm-hmm. I didn't have family or friends. Um, I ended up being put into a group home, which I hated. Um, and I kind of surfed from different group homes. Mm-hmm. I would run away because I didn't like rules. I didn't like people telling me what to do. I wasn't yeah. used to that ever. Um, so I spent a lot of time in and out of different programs, um, institutions. I spent quite a bit of time in Foothills Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first suicide attempt, I was 13. Mm-hmm. I was still living at home. Um, and it was a really, yeah, it was a really tough time. I was trying to still process, um, I was sexually assaulted and I wasn't able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, you know, how to process anything yeah. like that. and. That's kind of how I started to learn more about my mental health. Yeah. Um, there's huge history in my family of depression and anxiety and bipolar. So <clears throat> I'd seen it a lot, but I never knew 
kind of that I had experienced any yeah. of that. But I did spend quite a bit of time. I think I spent three months in there. Mm -hmm. I was in the youth program um, and then kind of in and out. I'd have little bits of good time, not ever any sobriety, mm -hmm. but time where I felt like, you know, things were kind of somewhat okay yeah. and somewhat manageable. Um, <clears throat> but I think, yeah, definitely from a very young age, things have just always been that kind of state of chaos. Like I was mm -hmm. used to chaos and I thrived off chaos. Yeah. When I went into treatment, I just could not deal with that like very calm pace, mm -hmm. nothing really happening. I'd always have to start something to get some kind of emotions going. <laughs> yeah. Or If you want some adrenaline, you're going to have to look for it. Oh yeah, yeah. I looked, I'm sure I found it, always found it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Um, and I think, yeah, the typical, I tried to run from all my problems. I left Calgary. I tried treatment outside of Calgary mm -hmm. for about six months um, on a little farm. It was perfect. I hated it, but I look back now, I'm like, that was so great. Yeah, um, Yeah. I, I learned a lot there, but I wasn't ready still. Mm -hmm. um, I was still in touch with my abuser there, and that was really hard for my program. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to really work through things. I was yeah. still kind of stuck on that. Like, I'm not committed yet, but maybe I am. I think that was a lot of my time spent in treatment. Because it's, it's hard to commit, right, when you're still got an anchor mm -hmm. in the back, right? Yeah. yeah, and usually any sober time was, okay, I just need to get these people off my back, yeah. show them that I can get whatever, a few days a week or whatever mm -hmm. sober, and then slip back under the radar again and go off. Yeah. Um, so it was never for my self-treatment, and I had done detox plenty of times in different treatment centers, mm -hmm. but it just never really stuck. And I think I was missing that support afterwards, yeah. which is so critical that you can learn so many amazing things and go through awesome experiences, but it's pretty much, it's just you when you leave yeah. and you need to figure out how you can be you comfortably and yeah. how that's going to look. Without that security. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I never thought about or I never mm -hmm. planned for. I was really used to just kind of being on my own, just doing my own thing, relying on myself. Um, yeah, so I think after a while, things progressively got worse. And I think from the get-go they did mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Um, but it started to transition into harder drugs more frequently. Um, I wasn't able to have any clean time at all. Um, I was losing jobs left, right, and center. I could not hold down a job. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up getting some clean time, got a job. It was really good. And then I started, I relapsed there. And I was still working there for probably a few months while I was using. And it was so tough, I'm sure for everyone else. But mm -hmm. for myself to kind of put on that mask and, okay, I'm fine. I'm going to go be Maddie. Yeah. And then I'm going to go home and lock myself in my apartment and not leave until I have to go back to work again. Yeah. So it was extremely lonely and I think terrifying in the way because I just had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. It was, I didn't want to think of the future at all. Yeah. That was terrifying. Yeah, of course. And I think just that frustration of that isolation piece. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to find any friends really that were friends. Um, so in my, I was living in an apartment building and I met some people, they were great and they loved to use drugs. And I was like, perfect, these mm -hmm. are my people. I finally have friends. 
Um, and that kind of just took off. Like it was nonstop. There was no separation um, between any kind of like normalcy and chaos. Mm -hmm. um, but I do remember I was thinking about getting sober quite a bit. And I had gone through um, a 12-step program while I was in treatment. So I kind of had some idea of what it looked like. Um, yeah, but I was too scared to go to a meeting because yeah. I knew nobody. And I was young. And it was how, just... Can I ask you how old you were when mm. you kind of got sober there? The first time would have been about 17. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. It was the first time that I went to AA, mm -hmm. um, outside of treatment. Yeah. And I went with a friend and I remember my first meeting was horrible for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was shaking. I was still coming down. It was not pretty. Yeah. Um, I don't think I heard anything in that meeting, but I do remember someone coming up after the meeting and telling me, that they're so glad that I didn't have to go through so much pain and so much trauma because I'm so young, mm -hmm. that I was lucky that I got sober when I was young. And I remember I didn't ever go back to that meeting yeah. because I was so frustrated. And I, that was kind of my fear going in that mm. well, I'm not like a true enough alcoholic or mm. <laughs> I don't, I haven't been drinking or using for what, 20 years or anything yeah. like that. So that was kind of a weird sense of, pride going on mm -hmm. but I remember that was the toughest part and I had to keep that in mind any time that I saw a young person coming into a meeting yeah. because that was huge for me that was a you just like blew my mind I'm like seriously <laughs> I probably have said that a hundred times to people who are young mm -hmm. not once thinking mm -hmm. obviously not once thinking period <laughs> we could end the sentence there yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. And I knew, well, not in the moment I didn't know, but yeah. thinking now, obviously, yeah, like, wow, you could have been using and drinking until you're whatever, late 30s, yeah. 40s, 50s. But that's, but, but that's not, that's not to say that a young person cannot, has not gone through enough pain. Mm -hmm. like, and I definitely have not said that to anybody, yeah. but I have said, thank God you're here while you're young, mm -hmm. but obviously never thinking about where have you come from to get mm -hmm. you here at 19. And that's, I think, the interesting thing is that from what I've seen working with people with an A mm -hmm. and with my previous employment is that it takes some serious stuff to get a young person into yeah. recovery. Young. Oh, yeah. It's hard work and yeah. nobody, nobody comes in like ready to go and I'm so excited yeah. to get sober and deal with all of my traumas. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's not likely that an 18 or 19-year-old kid person is going mm -hmm. to be... Um, maybe ready, right? Mm -hmm. they may, you may be at a serious bottom. I was at a bottom mm -hmm. by 18 for sure. Oh yeah. But nobody kind of saw that. Because right? mm -hmm. it was, I was 18. Well, 18 year olds party and they drink and that's exactly. normal. Yeah. 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 So it can be tough that way, especially trying to separate that. Mm -hmm. You know, is this just a typical phase of a teenager? Is this not? Yeah. And that's something I did think about too, is by the time I was actually at legal age mm -hmm. to go to a bar, I'm like, I've been there, done that. That's nothing new to me, yeah. but it was still that, well, this is what all people my age do. Yeah. So why am I any different than them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe my party doesn't ever stop, yeah. but I'm still young. I just don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. was kind of my justification for my ridiculous lifestyle. Um, but that was definitely a really hard meeting I went to, but really humbling in a mm -hmm. way that 
my worth doesn't depend on anyone else. Yeah. And that just because this old dude in a meeting says that I haven't been through anything in life doesn't mean that I haven't. And it doesn't yeah. matter what his, her, their thoughts are. Yeah. So that was an interesting time. It was a real struggle to get me back to another meeting. Mm -hmm. I was kind of boycotting all meetings, but... I don't blame you like that, but that's yeah. what happens, right? Some, mm -hmm. some people go, they go the first time and something that may not ever happen again there mm -hmm. happens. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So it was a little tough, no but shit. I met some incredible people that first meeting. Mm -hmm. um, there was two people who were just amazing. They yeah. were relentless. They did not give up on me, and that's something that I'd never experienced, yeah. ever. You know, no matter how hard I try and push them away, they're there. Mm -hmm. And that was mind-blowing to me. Wow. It's kind of like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you sticking around? What is with you people? <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you keep trying to help me? <laughs> I know. Gosh, I didn't even ask for it. What? Yeah. It's the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really grateful for them. Mm -hmm. um, it was very short-lived, my um, sobriety then. Um, of course, I was 17. I'm like, I haven't even gone to a bar legally. No way. I'm going to get sober later. Mm -hmm. I still got lots of time. Uh, so I went back out and of course, like a million times worse. Um, I ended up in the hospital. I had bad drugs. Um, there was poison in them. It was awful, Yeah. but that was still not enough. That was like, a, okay, that's a one-off. Yeah. That won't happen again. I'm not going to go to this person again. Yeah. So I'm fine. Um, but it was just that consistent one thing after another, and it just would not stop. And that's what I enjoyed about using, mm -hmm. is that it was never dull. It was never boring. And I could run and hide instantly. Yeah. I knew how to do that so well. Yeah. And I never had to to deal with things. Even mm -hmm. if something traumatic happens, okay, like let's get loaded and forget about it. Yeah. And we're fine. So that was just a cycle that I constantly went through and... Being young, being homeless, put me in vulnerable situations all the time, mm -hmm. constantly. Um, so that was something I really struggled with, was dealing with those traumas kind of over and over and over again yeah. to the point where I just kind of like numbed out and I was like, we're fine. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just not going to not gonna go over this. I'm not going to talk about it with yeah. anyone. Um, I had an instance where I did go forward um, to the police and um, nothing came out of it. Um, there was a lot of evidence. I was in the hospital, my uh, sprained my neck and my back, and I was covered in bruises, and that still wasn't enough. So that was kind of the point where I'm like, I'm on my own, man. Like, Jesus. Yeah, which was, I'd never was had a good. I was in Calgary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I never had a good relationship with the police, and they yeah. were very familiar with myself. Mm. Um, I had family who was in the police force at the time, yeah. which was a blessing and a disguise at the same time. It was just yeah. tough because everyone and all the police officers knew my name. They knew who I was. They mm -hmm. kept tabs on me. But at the same time, I was still being let down by them, I felt. Um, so it was... Well, anytime, had, a, anytime a woman reports that she's been abused, like sexually or physically, and mm -hmm. they don't take it seriously, it's being let down, for sure. It was, yeah, it was... Yeah really tough definitely i remember mm -hmm. all the hospital staff were just outraged yeah. um which was good for me to see that mm -hmm. i wasn't making it up yeah. and that's something i kind of always told myself was 
things aren't as bad, Maddie. Like, mm -hmm. you're blowing it way out of proportion. Like, this is normal. Like, you're fine. But <clears throat> that was a time when I was like, oh, hey, this isn't fine. Yeah. This is not okay. Normal 14, 15, 16-year-old girls don't go through this. Yeah. They don't have to struggle with this. Um, a lot no, of them do. Because no teenager is supposed to go through it, that's for sure. No, and yeah. it's... Teen, teenage years are supposed to be exploring, figuring out who you are, and mm -hmm. that was a big piece that I missed of figuring out who I was. Yeah. All I knew was Maddie the alcoholic, an addict, the one who likes to party and who gets in trouble with the law all the time. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my identity and who I surrounded myself with, people who would accept that. For sure. I had really good friends who didn't stick around, understandably so. Yeah that couldn't watch me burn my life to the ground over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I had to find people who would do that with me so I can have that connection. Yeah. But my second time into program, I was, I was living um, in a little tiny, awful apartment building that <laughs> was the worst ever. <laughs> um, but it was I only so... laugh because I'm sure I've had one or two of those. I know, everyone's been yeah. there. Like... Yeah, I had like a really bad place. Yeah, all I could afford. Like, yeah. it's fine. People are getting stabbed in there. My door's <laughs> getting broken down. I'm yeah. like, it's fine. Um, but I remember I, was, I went on a trip with my mom. I told her I was sober. Mm -hmm. I was coming down on, off drugs on the plane right there. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be my week sober. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this. And I don't know how to get drugs in a foreign country, so I should be good. Mm -hmm. But there is a free bar there, which was not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember getting back, and I dropped my suitcase off. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to do this. No more. And within 10, 15 minutes, mm -hmm. it was, I was gone again. Yeah. Um, and that was the frustrating and defeating part that... No matter how much I wanted to get mm. sober, I felt like every time I was just letting myself down. So I kind of just had that giving up feeling like this is yeah. never going to happen. I may as well just stop trying. But yeah. those two really incredible people who I met before were still, hey, Maddie, like, how are you? Mm -hmm. What's going on? And I remember one night I texted one of the people there and I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't. I can't be sober. I can't be using there's just no place in my life that I can just be mm -hmm. right now. And it was frustrating. And this was, I don't even know what time this was at. Then um, they drove over and they said, let's go for coffee then. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of my recovery and my story of yep. sobriety was having that one person who just did not give up. Yeah. Um, and he was an incredible support. Um, introduced me to his whole family who turned into my family and I just felt like I yeah. these were my people yeah you know they're all batshit crazy too and so. honestly if you look from a distance you can't you absolutely look like one of his children okay you know what I'm talking about yeah, totally <laughs> I know I get mistaken yeah. for one of his kids I bet at you do every be, meeting yeah but I bet so you do funny. it's because it's because yeah. he's such a good human right? amazing yeah. yeah and I mean what a what a what a cool place to end up yeah. I was so lucky, um, especially for me, men historically in my life, yep. not been the best relationships for me. Yeah. Um, but something about him, just like a stand-up guy, trustworthy, totally. just genuinely wants to help. And I could see that yeah. through everyone that he'd helped. So I was like, okay. And just solid as fuck, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that was 
great. And he dragged me to meetings after meetings, even though I was kicking and screaming and I didn't want to go. <laughs> and would check in and ask how many meetings you've gone to. Did you go to one today? No. Okay, well, what do you have to do? Yeah. Okay, I got to go to a freaking meeting again. All right, I've already been to one this week. Well, that's yeah. not enough, apparently. Um, but I started to get comfortable going to meetings again. Mm -hmm. I had those people who I know I could call if I... You know, I was having one of those days where I was maybe filled with anxiety or mm -hmm. unsure of myself again, and I just didn't want to go alone, which yeah. was a big part of recovery for me. It's like I was terrified to go to a meeting alone. Yeah. I always had to be with someone. And for the first bit, everyone supporting me was there with me. Yeah. Would tell me, all the meetings are going to that week, perfect, I'll meet you there. So that was really important for me that just I wasn't alone and I yeah. didn't have to be. If I did want to be, yeah, I'll walk down the street and I'll go to a meeting on my own. But I don't have to if I don't want to. Yeah. Which was definitely a cool part. But definitely the first bit of sobriety was messy. There was, well, I guess the difference was this time I didn't go to treatment. Mm -hmm. I relied just on meetings, yeah. um, which is something I'd never done before. So that was a little bit out of my realm. I remember it being so hard. I'd come back from meeting, like, man, I feel good. And I get home and I sit down. I'm like, whoo, I'm alone. Like, it yeah. is quiet in here. <laughs> like, I don't like this. Yeah. So that was a really hard piece, which I think is one of the reasons why I tried to go to a lot of meetings in the yeah. beginning. It's like, I can't do this alone thing anymore. Like, I was so used to it. And now I'm like, I can't do it sober. Mm -hmm. As much as I still needed my time alone to kind of process and work through things. Mm -hmm. um, but I found a lot of amazing women um, in program that shared similar stories as me yeah. and who kind of who understood and who I could unpack all of those things with. Um, there was a couple ladies who were incredible at that, just sitting there and listening and being there. Um, one of which, Catherine, who's my sponsor, was amazing. Um, I didn't want to share anything mm -hmm. going through my steps. I was like, mm -mm, like, we're not going there. Like, yeah. I'm not doing this. Um, but she was so patient and just kind and understood that it's, we mm -hmm. go through some tough shit in, in sobriety yeah. and you have to go through a lot yeah. in the beginning and face a lot of things, a lot of things that we're ashamed about, a lot of things that we've buried deep away. Yeah. Um, but she was, yeah, incredible at just walking through that with me, um, cool. which was definitely something I needed. She's another stand-up one though, too. I know. Yeah. I got lucky. You got pretty I don't lucky. know how I got so lucky. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it has something to do with like the things you choose to do too, right? You, yeah. You chose to go for coffee. You, mm -hmm. you agreed to go. Like you mm -hmm. got yourself connected because something told you that they were that kind of people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, people terrified me at first. I was <laughs> no. like, this is like a cult. Like what? They, they still terrify me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, why are they all holding hands? What is yeah. wrong with them? Seriously. <laughs> They're weird. It was overwhelming, but now yeah. I'm like, they're my kind of crazy, yeah. fit right in. Um, so it was nice to have that connection, <laughs> which was something that I've shared with all of the youth I work with is that connection is so huge. We can't mm. do this alone. We're not meant yeah. to do things alone as much as sometimes anyone like me is super stubborn and thinks yeah. that I can do everything <laughs> alone because I am a strong woman. I can do it, but I don't have to. Um, and I can rely on other people without, mm -hmm. without it being weak of me. Yeah, without feeling less than, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of turning it into a strength that 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to this person because that's Mm -hmm. not easy to do. I remember getting so many lists of people's numbers. I'm like, nope. Like, I'm sure they're all lovely people, Mm -hmm. but that's terrifying to call a stranger and talk. But I forget how awful that was. Like, I really do forget sometimes how awful it was to pick up that damn phone. Uh, it was, yeah, a million pounds. I just yeah. couldn't do it. <laughs> Jeez, I remember sitting in my apartment, like, in the, mm. I had this really, I was in this really shitty basement apartment when mm. I first sobered up, and, like, the, there was very little light. Like, oh, yeah. And, and, like, I can relate to this, like, idea where you're just, like, terrified. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about AA. That was weird shit. Mm-hmm. Like, did, did you, when you got that list, did you actually call somebody off No. It? No, like, no. I never did either, yeah. No, I held yeah. on to it, but I was like, mm, yeah. not going there. I had like a stack <laughs> yeah. of them by the end of my first year. I know. And of yeah. course, every meeting I had to say that I was a newcomer, even though I'm like, no, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'd get yeah. nudges and come on, Maddie. I'm like, oh. yeah. So, so many of those lovely lists that I did not <laughs> utilize, and I wish I did, but. Well, here you are. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So, I guess throughout that, is working through my steps was a big mm-hmm. thing for me that I never really committed doing before. So I think that was something different this time. Yeah. Um, I was told so many times, okay, you've tried to get sober before, do it differently this time. If those ways have not worked, do it differently. Yeah. Because there's so many different ways and so many different Absolutely. ways that work for different people. Yeah. Treatment is a godsend for some people. Yeah. And I think it's incredible. But for me, it didn't work. Yeah. So I needed to find my own way to maintain sobriety. Mm-hmm. At a young age, I think I was 19 when I came back. So I had my year of run around, burn my life to the ground even more. And then finally I'm like, okay, I got yeah. nothing left. Yeah. Not a single thing. What do I have to lose? Yeah. Um, but yeah, throughout my recovery was a wild ride. It was hard. And I had to let go of a lot of friendships. Mm-hmm. And that was extremely difficult. Yeah that once again, I felt that isolation. I'm like, who I don't have like my vice anymore. Mm-hmm. How do I go through life? And you know, I've got a handful of program and recovery friends, yeah. but that's, it's not the same as having my friends mm. who maybe don't share that same recovery piece. Um, and I think that's what I got stuck on. Mm-hmm. Is that just because I'm sober doesn't mean that I only have to surround myself with sober people. Oh, okay. But at the time, I sure did. Yeah. That's what I needed. I needed yeah. to be around sober people all the time. Yeah. That's how I got through. Um, and I had to limit those temptations. I knew myself well enough that yeah. with the flick of a switch, I'm gone. So good for I knew you. that. Good for you. Was not pretty. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> well, it's good for you to have that recognition. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that come into sobriety and they don't realize that, mm-hmm. right? And they just go off and oh, the next yeah. thing you know, they're gone, right? And that's the sad thing is that there's so many people that all of a sudden you see them one day and they mm-hmm. look great and the next day they're gone. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Oh, but absolutely. I knew I've always been impulsive. I still mm-hmm. am. It's bad, but at least not in the same ways anymore. But it's probably not as bad as it was before. Oh, it's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I can do healthy, impulsive things. Yeah. So I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> I had an impulse to eat some broccoli. I did. Right? When? <laughs> you know, I well, I still find, and I think it's that addiction piece that I mm. missed, and I tried to fill it with a lot of different things. Yeah. When I came into recovery, and one of them was running, which is great, yeah. a great thing to do. But I was like, 
running. Yeah. And it got extreme because I didn't know what else to do with myself. So I'm like, okay, I don't know. It's minus 20. I may as well mm -hmm. go for another run today. Yeah. And just because I needed to do something, I couldn't stay still. I couldn't mm -hmm. be bored. That yeah. was like danger zone for me. So I had to find a lot of things and I found a ton of new hobbies when cool. I got sober because I yeah. just needed to keep doing things. And I found a lot of things that I liked that I had yeah. never tried before. I had never done a lot of things like before that I was 11 when I was yeah, wow. before I started using. So I missed out on a big chunk of time where yeah. I was supposed to be figuring out what I like to do. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of learning when I came back in of, especially reconnecting with my child self mm -hmm. of how can I just relax and have fun? Yeah. How do I, how do I do fun anymore? Oof, what is this? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a lot of it, but it was hard at yeah, first. <laughs> of course, at first making that transition, right? It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely difficult. And I see it now with a lot of the people who I have in my life, the people who I've previously worked with, and it's the same story, different person, same story. We mm -hmm. all go through that same pain. We've gone through different things. Mm -hmm. We've all had our own different struggles, but at the heart of it, we, we all share that same pain. Mm -hmm. And we all now are chasing that same light yeah. um, of sobriety. So it's been an incredible journey. It's been, I had to ask my fiance, I'm like, how long have I been sober? It's just mm -hmm. like, I'm just living now, but, mm -hmm. Um, so it's been just over five years. Oh, congrats. Thank you. And Thank your fiance is Marty, right? Yes. I like Marty. Man. He's incredible. He's I got lucky good, with him too. He's a good soul, that guy. Yeah. I know. I told yeah. him he should have come, but that's okay. Nah, that's okay. <laughs> next time. You can yeah. drag him here next well, time. Well, what I'll He'd do is it. I'll invite him. Do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll invite him. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I like him. I'd love to get to know him better. Yeah. For sure. He's, it's been awesome. We've been, oh boy. I waited that full year. I remember Joe said, do not date in the first mm. year. And he was very adamant on that. Yeah. Um, so like a day or two after my year, I was like, all right, like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had known Marty for quite a bit. So mm -hmm. uh, we started dating. We've been who engaged for a year now. Yeah. Um, we were going to get married this year, but things happened. There's so, what happened? What happened this year? All of the COVID, know. all of the great, choice things going on right now yeah, it's like what do i choose yeah the apocalypse i'd choose that pretty much right now so, so. you guys put it off yeah so okay. next year next year yeah which okay. is exciting for both of us for sure um yeah it's been great to be to have a partner who's in recovery as well mm -hmm. yeah i it think about a huge it difference. yeah i think about it now i'm like man yeah. i don't think that i could be in a relationship with someone who either was drinking or using i just to me, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think if someone still practice, like practices regularly just drinking, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not, and, and I haven't known them to do that. Mm -hmm. That's a different story, man. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't do it either. No, and it's even, I don't know. I just wouldn't want to risk it, it at all. It's, yeah, it's, it's not, not worth, worth the risk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well put. But it comes with its downfalls because you've got yeah. two people who are in recovery together. <laughs> it's not always the prettiest thing. That's for sure. Yes, especially at the beginning. A little <laughs> bit rough. Um, and we've gone through a lot of struggles ourselves in for our relationship. Sure. Um, we've gone through a lot of really tough times. Um, but I think relying on our same group of people, mm -hmm. uh, relying on the program of the principles that we've learned through it has been crucial in a relationship. Yeah. 
Um, I can admit now that I don't go to enough meetings. Mm. Um, it was a little bit different. I think the last meetings that I went to was again, just, I didn't find the right meeting mm. and I found that it was a little bit clicky, um, and judgy and I figured, you know, I'm going to stay connected with all of my mm. amazing a people because yeah. they're not going anywhere. Um, but I need to figure out something for me too. Mm. Um, and then part of that too was going into school for social work. You know, I yeah. learned so much. Mm-hmm. teach us everything that we should show our clients. I'm like, wow, I've taken so many notes. I'm like, I need to learn this too. Like, yeah. wow, what is self-care? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what, uh, what motivated you to go to social work? Oh, it's funny because they ask you that yeah. in the program. I'm like, oh boy. Um, I they're, chose... they're trying to catch you. I'm not trying to catch you. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I remember there was, cause I had gone through so many different services and programs when I was mm-hmm. a youth and, endless amounts of staff and different professionals that I knew. But I remember there was a couple who just were amazing Mm -hmm. and who, again, did not give up and who I still talk to today, Mm -hmm. which is super cool for me and who I was able to work with um, in my last position. I was able to work with someone who was a huge rock for me when I was Mm -hmm. a little kid. I was 13. So that was really awesome. And that's kind of why... I chose social work because mm-hmm. I knew the need was there. Yeah. Um, and I think in specific for youth is what I wanted to get into because that's such a critical time yeah. when you can make a huge difference and yeah. impact. Um, I've had experience working with youth, with adults, with seniors, mm-hmm. and I think youth is kind of where my heart's at. Yeah. But I know it just takes that one person. It takes that one Absolutely. special caring person who genuinely cares mm-hmm. to make a difference, even if it isn't implemented right away. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, we don't know how long the impact will take, right? Oh yeah, yeah. it can take a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's why what drew me into it. Mm-hmm. I was terrified to go back to school. Yeah. I was, this is two years ago and I had a grade eight education. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to be hard. I am not at the same level as everyone else is here. Yeah. And it was really hard on my ego to have to go back and finish off my courses and upgrade mm. before I could. Um, but it was great. Yeah. And it was a really incredible time. That's something that I always wanted to do, but never had the opportunity to do mm-hmm. that. Um, and it was never stable enough to even think about doing that. Yeah. So it was really great. Definitely hard. I had a lot of support from friends and with yeah. Marty. It wasn't an easy time. Yeah. It was a lot. It was stressful, but... It was very stressful, very much mm-hmm. so, especially having to do practicums and stuff. Mm. And then you picked, now can I talk about this? <laughs> yeah, of course. Because you picked one of the hardest placements, I think. Which is not a shock it, for me. Well, I mean, it's not. yeah, I don't know you well <laughs> enough to know if it's a shock. It's a shock for me hearing any student that actually went and did that, right? Yeah. Because, well, you go ahead and tell us about it. I don't need to sure. talk about it. Yeah, well, I guess we'll start my first practicum was at a resource center. Mm-hmm. It was wicked. I had the best time yeah. ever. I learned so much. And my second practicum, I was like, oh, I want to do something different. And I went different. Yeah, but you did. I saw that there was um, a practicum placement um, doing some restorative justice with sexual offenders. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, like that seems terrifying. Sign me up. <laughs> Which again, like based on now what I know about your little bit about your life, like mm-hmm. that's quite a decision. 
it I had thought about it a lot. That's like almost going in the lion's den. Yeah. Right? It wasn't the prettiest yeah. time, but yeah, I had to make sure. And I knew that was the thing is I knew I was able to do it. Yeah. I had gone through and I had done a ton of healing and mm -hmm. working through things where I was kind of finally at that point. Yeah. For me, it was that I could talk about it without like breaking down yeah. and crying or just like taking off. So I was like, okay, this could be another way of healing yeah. as well. Oh, I think a hundred percent. So I was, one of the questions in the interview was, have you ever been a victim of sexual abuse? And I was like, oh Lord, okay, yep. yep. Um, so kind of unpack that a little bit of, yeah, I've done the mm -hmm. work. I'm ready for this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was really surprised that I got the placement. I was nervous. A I, lot of people were like, Maddie, what are you doing? Like, are yeah. you crazy? Um, Marty had a little bit of a tough time with that, which I is understandable. Yeah, I bet. Um, but it was, wow, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, for myself, it was really tough. Um, there was a lot of days that I came home and I was like, don't touch me, don't talk to me. Mm. I'm tapped out like yeah. I have reached my limit for today and taken yeah. in so much that I'm just done which was hard on my relationship and on my schooling I was in courses as well at the same yeah. time so it was a little bit of a whirlwind mm -hmm. but it was interesting because I like to think I like to pride myself that I can look at people as people mm -hmm. and because I think of myself of okay Maddie think of the worst thing that you've done Mm -hmm. Think of all of those things. Would you want someone to only look at that? Mm -hmm. And okay, Maddie, that's Maddie. Yeah. You know, those mistakes that she made, however many years ago, that's her. That's always going to be her. Mm -hmm. So I always try and keep that in mind that I'm not my past. I'm not who I was mm -hmm. a year ago, five yeah. years ago, 10 years ago. So that was really important to kind of keep in mind. I was working with, um, yeah, it was men who had one or more previous sexual offense mm -hmm. um, who were coming out of prison and this was their reintegration into community. And it was through um, volunteer run. So it's the support of the community, which was beautiful to wow. see. That's incredible great. that there's that's just people out great. there who want to support people yeah. regardless of their past, of mm -hmm. the decisions that they've made. But it's, I think the fine line for me is that it was a voluntary program and they came willing. Yeah. They wanted to make a change. They yeah. wanted to live a crime-free life and they didn't want to go back to that place again. Mm -hmm. And then hearing too of like their stories, yeah. you know, just because someone has a sexual offense conviction doesn't mean they're just a sexual offender. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got their own history and their own past. I was going to say like, and what is that like for them? Totally, right? yeah. Like, what was it like being a kid for that person? Awful. Yeah. Some of the stories I heard were heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, they didn't have an easy life either. And that's not to justify it because I know this is a very controversial topic. Well, yeah, but you, um, we're not justifying anything. We're just, mm -hmm. you're talking. But it was important to hear that. Yeah. The same way is that it's important to hear someone who's coming into recovery and, okay, where did you come from? Yeah. You know, as much as it's important of where you're going, how did you get here? Yeah. So using my own sobriety and what I've learned through it was helpful, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, especially because it was triggering a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of lean back on my supports a lot through that yeah. um, and kind of process that because that was really difficult for me. Um, it was also difficult at the time I was working with youth who were being sexually exploited and I was like all sorts of different hats mm -hmm. I was wearing. So that was tricky to go from 
you know, my practicum right into work. And that was (laughs) tough. Um, (laughs) It was... Talk about walking like the fence, eh? I know. It was a lot. I'm like, okay, who am I right now? Am I... Well, I don't mean walking a fence like you're neutral. I mean like walking that tightrope, I should have said. Yeah. Between the two worlds. It was hard to separate. And it was that was a lot of work to kind of... I'd have my little like ritual going to Mm. practicum, a little elevator ride. I'm like, okay, Maddie, you are here. You're doing your practicum. You're not working with your youth right now. So let's kind of separate this, Um, which was helpful to have that ability to do that. It wasn't easy. (laughs) That's pretty damn good. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of pep talks on the way up, but it was a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still volunteer there now. That was something that I thought long and hard about. if it would be good for myself to do, Mm -hmm. if it would be good for where I'm at right now. Um, But for me, it's, if I can be of somewhat support to someone Mm -hmm. who needs it and who's isolated and who is relying on Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Like, why would I not do that? Yeah, and it's interesting because, well, there's something that happens when, when a previous when a survivor or previous victim, however we want to describe it, I was abused as a child too, like in different different places. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different when you get when you get older and you realize, okay, now I'm responsible. Like yeah. regardless of what happened, mm-hmm. now we're responsible, right? Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate this. Uh, the uh, I don't know if it's an ability or maybe you just did it, like mm-hmm. whatever. But to to actually start working with. Because it's, well, what I'm getting at is it's one thing to be, to be a survivor, mm-hmm. right? It's one thing to survive it. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Like, yeah. I love working with other survivors. I love, yeah. like, having fellowship with other survivors because mm-hmm. it, it shows that we don't all end in the same way, yeah. right? And, and most of us don't, like, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, but it's very interesting because you're actually trying to do something about what happened, mm-hmm. not in the past, but in the future. Yeah. Right. By by working with with people who are um, previous, whatever, sexual offenses, sexual offenders, whatever we want to call them, mm-hmm. by actually working with them, you may in fact help them not reoffend. Yeah. Right. However, at the same time that I say that, a part of my brain goes, "Fuck them." Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, it's like so common, right? Yeah. Like it's so, but it's then the, I think the, the majority, because what you're saying is pretty powerful, right? When, mm-hmm. a, when a survivor can go and try to help people who would mm-hmm. have potentially been there, our abuser, mm-hmm. right? Potentially, because mm-hmm. I mean, really, I don't know about yourself, but for a yeah. long time, they were all the same. Like, oh, yeah. Until I grew up, right? And yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I, when you told me that we were mm-hmm. messaging and you told me what you were doing, I was mm-hmm. like, fuck is this person how can they do that like <laughs> like how like not not like a bad way but no like, i know where the hell did this person come from i know it was <laughs> right. i shocked myself yeah but quite good a job. bit yeah yeah and that was just a big part like you had said like it's powerful to have yeah. a survivor there because you're helping as much as you're helping the offender mm-hmm. You're also helping the community, and that was one of their mm-hmm. slogans: of, "is to make a safer community," and that's what they're doing. Well, and you're helping yourself. Huge, right? Oh, by boy. not living yeah. in that fear and that resentment. Like, yeah, yeah, helps kind of move, not move past it, but kind of just but more it. to be okay with it. Yeah. yeah, and to, in a sense, embrace it because mm. I've been through so much 
and that's a difference between, yeah, I've struggled a lot and I've suffered through a lot, but mm -hmm. what am I going to do with it and how am I going yeah. to put it towards something good? Yeah. And if that means me saying, hey, I'm also a victim of sexual abuse, but I want to help you, mm -hmm. if that makes a difference, heck yeah. Yeah. Because I know that place and I know the pain and the shame yeah. that you go through. And if I can have like a tiny little ounce <laughs> of effort put in to help prevent this mm -hmm. from any other child, adult, yep. anyone, then I think that's important. And yeah. as much as I had, I loved working um, with youth because I was able to kind of sit with them and say like, I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't go through what you did, but I get it. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. But then to kind of switch over and say, okay, let's do the work now. Let's prevent this from happening again mm -hmm. was really, really cool for myself. That's awesome. And I'm Tough. really, I'm thinking now, anyone who's listening to this is like, those fuckers, they oh, care yeah. about pedophiles. Oh, yeah. Like, so there's people oh, yeah. out there, when they hear this, they're going to be, I'm just thinking, of, I'm like, yes. that is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be so mad up. at us. I love it. <laughs> Look for, but. Yeah, well, you know what the truth is, though? If people get mad about it, that's good. It is. Because then they start asking yeah. themselves, why am I mad? Let's have these tough conversations. Yeah. Like, seriously, if yeah. someone gets mad that we're talking about helping people so they don't further offend, yeah. people will get mad at that. Mm -hmm. And the reality of the statement that we're making mm -hmm. is actually quite different than what they think. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like, we're not trying to make it okay. No. <laughs> and I obviously, me out of all people, are not going to say, like, You're, this, me, is, this is fine. That's this right. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's going to be people that hear this. And I'm yes. just, as we're talking, I'm like, this is great. I hope we just keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the hardest parts is when I'm in practicum, like, oh, where are you doing your practicum? I explain yeah. that they're like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, I know. But... I can imagine the side looks like, whoa. Like, who, what is wrong with you? Why yeah. would you willingly choose this? But Because somebody has to, Maddie. And that's the thing. Is right? It's hard like, work. And it's yeah. work that not a lot of people want to do. But it's meaningful and it's important. Yeah. And I remember my friend was like shaking. I was so nervous the first day. I'm like, yeah. I've never met. Like, well, I guess I have in my past. But I'm like, I have never had a professional interaction mm -hmm. of someone who I've known that's had a sexual conviction before. I was like, yeah. this is new for me. This is scary. Yeah. How am I going to go about this? And the first meeting, one of the guys shared his story. And I'm like, wow, that's important because mm -hmm. I just connected with who you are as a person. Yeah. You talked about what you like to do and what your hobbies are. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I get that. You're a person. You are no longer this like box of a sexual offender yeah. that I labeled you coming in. But yeah. now you have a face and you have a story, mm -hmm. and you have goals, yeah. and that was important, and that's what other people don't see. Yeah. They don't get to have that experience, and they just see these guys on the news, warnings mm -hmm. coming out that this guy's coming out of prison, mm -hmm. watch your kids. So yeah. that's something that I was lucky enough to experience. Mm -hmm. It sounds nutty, but it's important, and I wish people were mm -hmm. was able to have that experience, and yeah. to have that knowledge, um, and to go through that. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And it's, of course. it's a really tough topic. Well, it is because yeah. there's people who look at the subject or the uh, perpetrators of these crimes and all they see are monsters. Mm -hmm. And that's fair because the yeah. acts are monstrous. Absolutely. Like they're monstrous acts, Absolutely. but they're done by people. That's right? the thing. Yeah. And we can't, we cannot live in a, like, I, I, just, I mean, we kind of do, but mm -hmm. I wish we didn't live in a world that just writes people off so quick. Mm -hmm. Like not, and this is coming from a survivor of this yeah. stuff where I'm like, okay, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I'm not smart enough to know how to solve this problem Oh God, no. in terms of like 
pedophilia, yeah. the other things that come along with it. Mm -hmm. I, I have no answers except mm -hmm. something different than what we're doing. <laughs> and that's the thing. Right? It's not like, working right now. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, the jail terms are too short for the ones that are serious. Yeah. And they're probably completely out of balance. You probably have some people doing time for little offenses mm -hmm. while other people are doing the same amount of time for bigger offenses. That uh, is the part that I was like gibberish to me. The yeah. legal side of it is like, yeah. oh, I first of all have awful experience with this. Mm -hmm. And I also like, this is, makes no sense to me. Yeah. But the one thing that I found really impactful and the one thing, the biggest thing that's wrong with the justice system right now is that all of a sudden they think when this guy gets out of prison, he just, he has to be fine. Yeah. Or else he's going to go back in. Yeah. We're not going to help him. Yeah. We're just going to force him to do it on mm -hmm. his own and assume that he knows the resources, which there mm -hmm. are little to no resources for sexual That's offenders. A, still, still, yeah. Huge one. And that when they come out, you know, there's maybe, ooh, don't quote me, but one or two halfway houses mm -hmm. that they can go to. They have usually a lot of restrictions. So it's where can they live? Mm -hmm. Nowhere near parks, schools, depending on their conditions. Yeah. So there's a lot of barriers that are valid. Mm-hmm and need to be put into place, yeah. but it's also setting them up for failure because they have no resources. Yeah. You know, there's a program where I did my practicum that's incredible, but there needs to be more. Mm -hmm. There needs to be more like this to help the community. Well, what about, like, what would you think about, um, I mean, since we were talking about problems, I always like to go towards solutions too. Right? Mm -hmm. like, what, what would you think about having worked in this area a little bit? Um, what would you think about like a treatment center yeah. specific Mm -hmm. to those kinds of, of crimes, like those kinds of mentalities, I should say. Yeah. Right? Because there's something that happens in the brain that's very specific mm -hmm. to them, mm -hmm. right? And it would make sense to me, like it, yeah. we're in a, we're in a, I think we're moving more and more towards a, a post-jail future where we have... I sure hope so. I Me too. More services versus... Totally. For everyone. Yeah. Not just sexual offenders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, that's yeah. exactly where I'm thinking. It's yeah. like, when we move away from this, lock everybody up. Yeah. Forget about it. Learn shit. your lesson. Yeah. Well, think about it. We could have more. Maybe we'd need more facilities, but they could be mm -hmm. smaller. They could mm -hmm. be. Um, they could. They could be more specific, right? Mm -hmm. Even like even in terms of punitive stuff, like yeah. for, for murderers, make them smaller, but, but like yeah, make them try to help them. Yeah. Because if even we though they may, it. yeah, even though they may never get out again. Mm -hmm. I know in Canada, that's not really how it works, but mm -hmm. um, down in the States, like if you may never get out again, why wouldn't it make sense to teach them? Mm -hmm. Like give, just teach them. I know. And I, I know we could talk about this all fucking day. Oh, weeks. Right? I yeah. could go on. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, oh my God, I just kind of hijacked this conversation. <laughs> I love I'm, this conversation. So you're fine. <laughs> well, thank you. I, but I was like, it's like, it just keeps going and sprawling, yeah. right? Because yeah. we have done... We have done law, enfor law, law enforcement, um, justice. We have done it wrong. We've just yeah. been wrong. I, yeah. I just hope that at More some harmful. point, yeah, I, I just hope at some point mm -hmm. we just look and go, wait, well, why do we keep doing this wrong thing? Right. Why don't we try to fix it? Insanity. Right? Instead of just keep thinking it's okay the way yeah. it is. Meanwhile, yeah. everybody's terrified with the next time some totally. um, sex offender gets released. And, and rightfully so, don't yep. get me wrong. Yep. Uh, it's not justifying it, but what if... Right on, dude. He just let me know we had an hour. We're at an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but letting, um, letting people go into, instead of releasing them from jail, they go into treatment. Mm -hmm. They get monitored in treatment. It's not maximum security. They have some freedom. 
but there's actual programming, mm -hmm. you know? They do have that for sexual offenders, and I, I can't remember where it is, and obviously not in Canada or the States. Yeah. Um, I want to say somewhere in Europe, but it's specialized for sexual offenders. Is it Finland? Ooh, yeah. One of the Scandinavian yes, countries, yes. maybe? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so they have a really cool model there. It needs work, mm -hmm. um, but the idea is bang on that... Yeah. Why don't we support them to help reduce their risk of reoffending again? I can't believe we're not doing it already. That's what you right? Like, these are the worst. These are what we, as a people, have judged to be the worst crimes, mm -hmm. right, against yep. children. Yeah. And we do not take it seriously. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. Maybe it's because mm -hmm. up until recently we haven't known what to do. Mm -hmm. But I, I find it hard to believe. There are a lot of smart people alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That know how to do shit. Mm -hmm. And like this, this has got to be a thing. I think Darcy and I talk about this all the time, but the drug war, right? It's kind yeah. of like the, uh, yeah. this is how you shut down rehabilitating people yep. is you now make them prisoners of war. Right. We're not rehabilitating you. No, You're a we're punishing enemy. them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? For having trauma, for having things go on yeah. in their life, for yeah. struggling. Man. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, that's so cool. I'm so glad I know you. I'm so glad I know you too. Yeah, like I know somebody who actually went and, and did that. It was definitely a very, very interesting experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when are you and when are you and Marty? Sorry, I didn't mean to change the subject. No, go for it. You can talk about whatever you want. But I was just thinking you we were talking about you guys canceled your wedding. So next mm -hmm. year, June or September. September. Yeah. Okay. So we've got family from BC, Mexico, like all over. Yeah. So we want them all to be able to fly here or that's cool. <laughs> come here. So yeah, yeah. we'll do it uh, September. We've got an awesome little space picked out and I don't want to tell anyone because mm. it's like my hidden gem. That don't I don't tell us. <laughs> we can talk about it <laughs> after. Great. Afterwards, I'll share it all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's perfect because we're both so outdoorsy. Like mm -hmm. we find like our peace and serenity outside. Yeah. That's where we can recharge and... So we we're like, what better place? We found this awesome place. It's just like a huge acreage. Yeah. There's like tons of gardens and trees. I'm like, this is perfect Sweet. for us. So we're really excited for that. Um, and we also just got a new puppy. So he's going to be the star of the show. Oh, he's too cute. I can't. What's his name? His name's Coda. And what kind of dog is he? He's a husky. Husky, yeah. Oh, boy. You guys see the puppy. She's beautiful. Oh, he's too much. He, he's beautiful, yeah. He's so lucky he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> is it a pain in the ass? Oh, yeah. I'll Huskies take him like for that, runs. Eh? Like, yeah. we'll go for a good run, and he's just, like, still ready to go afterwards. I'm, yeah. like, ready for a nap. I'm, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Those dogs are pretty pretty energy, though. Mm -hmm. Lots of energy. Never ending. Yep. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. I think we covered a, I, quite a bit. We did quite cover right. quite a bit. I, I really appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty. Yeah. You. you know, I, I really do, and, and the work you're doing, too. Um, I, do you have any idea where you want to work in the future? Like, I've been thinking about that and, oh, and congratulations for just graduating. Thank you. I'm yeah. like so excited to register yeah. as a social worker now. Now right. it's like the fun waiting game. You'll be excited like the first ground. time. And then the next few times you'll be like, I got to do this every fucking year. Right. I have to, I have to pay <laughs> to do my job. Yeah. Oh, I know it's going to be weird, <laughs> it's a but treat. yeah, it's a treat. Yeah. Let's just call it that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. I got really intrigued in um, the legal side mm -hmm. of social work. I don't know specifically with sexual offenders, but yeah. I think in general, I think with youth, with addictions, I've got no idea. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of run with it. Cool. 
see where I land. I like it. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the that's the thing that, that I did too. And I just mm -hmm. kind of bounced around and yeah, well, I didn't bounce around. Yeah, you can yeah. do that. You can yeah. go to work and check stuff out. And, mm -hmm. um, but I remember thinking, well, getting registered will be it. That'll be good. Mm -hmm. and, and it was like totally like anticlimactic. Right? What because, now? <laughs> yeah, because chances are you're already doing the work anyway. So I think that was the frustrating part is that I was yeah. doing the work throughout my whole diploma yeah. and I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, like <laughs> Why I started, did I do this so backwards? I know, right? <laughs> like I started doing the work even before I got into school. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I couldn't call myself anything but a dude, but... Right, yeah. <laughs> but now, funny thing is, I yeah. want to call myself a dude now. I right, want, I know. Yeah. Work so hard for that title, <laughs> and you're like, I'm just a person now. Yeah. Just helping out. Uh, do you have, like, gov uh, government aspirations, or, like, working for the government, or anything like that? I would... I remember I was at... I spoke at a conference for sexual exploitation, mm -hmm. which was so cool. I was so nervous, I don't remember anything I said, but I guess it went well. I bet it was. Um, <laughs> But I heard the speaker talking about how she got into um, changing le legislation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, that's a big task. And that's yeah. so important. As much yeah. as I love doing the frontline work, doing the really tough work, mm -hmm. I'm like, that would be interesting too one day is to try yeah. and change, even in small ways, how our system is working right now mm -hmm. because it needs a ton of work. Oh, it needs to be like from all people the who know. Yeah. And for people who have experience and they're not just sitting in their suit and tie at a desk making yeah. executive decisions, which I'm sure some of them are really great people, but sure. some of them are, yeah. yeah, I think it needs, needs some work. So yeah, maybe one day, uh, you know what? Good for you. And I think like hanging around this guy and his fam, <laughs> it's like, I, I start feeling like maybe, maybe I should do something political. Like, let's do it. Do you know what I mean? Like something that's yeah. On a bigger arena. scale in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Just because of the fact that uh, there's just so much wrong. So right? much. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. The system, like, and we were just talking about one system. It's part of the oh, justice yeah. and a small part of that Tiny system. Tiny portion. Right? Yeah. It's like, man, the, and, and not only the justice system, but of course mm -hmm. our, our policing systems. Yeah. Like, our, all the, the government systems, like all oh, these yeah. things are broken. So broken, you yeah. You know, because they all have the same problem. Mm -hmm. They're focused on some people and not all people. I think right now is a really exciting time, yeah. which I am loving all of these protests I know, and um, activists because this yeah. is like prime time for growth to happen yeah. is when we can all come together and there's still a ton of work to be done, mm -hmm. but I think this is a beautiful start. So I, I hope agree. that there's some change that comes. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I think there will be. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason there's going to be is because people like yourself keep getting into social work, keep mm -hmm. getting into programs that they can might be able to impact their community in a positive way mm -hmm. uh, and so long as we have like I, Darcy I think you mentioned it earlier man we were we were just talking but about how much um how little hate that Samantha's generation has in them mm. and how how different that is yeah. from us right like and yeah. I think that that's the important thing right is that there's going to be definitely these layers of generations of people that are going to totally make change Oh yeah. Unavoidable. Oh, it's going to be incredible to watch. Yeah. It's kind of incredible right now, to be yeah. honest, like to see yeah. people saying, you know what, you can say whatever you want, but we're standing up. Yeah. You can throw rocks. You can call us whatever you want to call yeah. us, but we're standing up. Yeah. And like the more, the more I see that, the more hope I get. Absolutely. Right? In Not a time like this where it looks yeah. pretty bleak to kind of focus on these people yeah. who are. Well, I started thinking about who's it look bleak for. Hmm? I started thinking, who does it really look bleak for? 
not me. No. <laughs> People that are sitting People hiding high in there. towers. Yeah. Yeah. It which looks bleak good. for them, which is why yeah. they get uh -huh. defensive and oh yeah, yeah. Things have to stay the same, but they don't. We're yeah. always, even as humans, evolving, and yeah. it needs to keep up with the pace. Absolutely. Well, Maddie, mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time, and please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.